0: Well good morning. It's a great day to be here. I'm, I'm excited and I've got some uh, scripture here related to our text that I'll um, get to a little bit later. Uh, how many have a Bible of some kind with them? Woohoo, Praise the Lord. Nathan did a good job encouraging you. So 1 John is where we're having our study from. This is my first time to really be involved in the, the youth meeting here. How many, how many are here for a first time for a youth conference? Okay, I see probably at least 20 hands. Well, welcome to you. I hope this is an a enriching uh, weekend for you. I know God has blessings for all of us. Um, I didn't expect Nathan to go into all the things he said. I'm not sure all of them are totally true. In fact, I know some of them aren't totally true, but I do desire to live a life of praise to God and a life that can bring blessing to others. <clears throat> um, I grew up in Pennsylvania. How, how many people are here who currently live in Pennsylvania? All right. Eric, you don't. You, li- you live in Virginia now. Uh, Other uh, Pennsylvania people. Okay, great. Derek. Is it Derek? Delbert. Yeah. Good to see you. Good to have some Pennsylvania people here. We have at least three people from South Carolina. Maybe more. If you're from South Carolina, raise your hand. All right. And North Carolina. Anyone from North Carolina? West Virginia. West Virginia? Iowa? I'm really stretching now. There may be one person from Iowa, at least Jared Good's been talking about that. Um, Sorry if I left you out. One thing sure in God's family, no one gets left out or overlooked and that's part of what's in chapter one of 1 John. When we believe in Jesus, we become part of his family and we have fellowship with God and with Jesus and with each other, and we fit in perfectly well. So if you're here for the first time and you're thinking, "Well, volleyball's not really my game," that seems to be a big focus here. Well, relax. In God's family, which is more important than any earthly family or any weekend, uh, you fit right in. And and God, our heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus, He understands us perfectly. And so, for some of us, volleyball really isn't our game. Some of us are probably wondering, what is our game? Uh, how do I fit in? What, what, what does God want for me and for my life? Well, hopefully uh, we'll have some encouragement from his word. I, I believe we will as we look at 1 John. So most of you are there. Probably most of you know 1 John pretty well, but I, I've been studying it on and all fairly seriously for the last 20 years. And every time I study it, it, it really is an exciting little letter to read. John was the Apostle of Jesus. He was one of the inner three. And he may have been the closest of the three to Jesus. So no one understood Jesus probably better than the Apostle John. And so he opens this book by talking how if we really saw Jesus. We saw him, we heard him. We understand him, and I just want to tell you that you can understand him, and you can have him for yourself, and you can be part of this family. And so this is really a very upbeat, exciting uh, letter to read. So it was written by John. The audience is general Christians. In fact, uh, in chapter 2, it says, I'm writing to little children, I'm writing to young men, I'm writing to fathers. I'm writing to all ages. There wasn't one specific church that this letter was written to, but it was written to all Christians, all ages of all time. And the theme or the purpose is, is uh, pretty clearly laid out. If you go through and look where he says, I write this because of. I'm proclaiming this to you because of he really wanted people to connect with Jesus. He wanted people to believe on Jesus. Just like in his gospel, the gospel of John, he very clearly at the end of the gospel of John writes, I'm writing this with a specific purpose in mind. I want you to believe in Jesus. And by believing in Jesus, you will have life, eternal life, full life through him. So there's a lot of parallels, some uh, people have laid these two uh, books side by side, the The Gospel of John and the first epistle of John and there 's a lot of similar themes. Jesus, of course, is the main theme, and believing on him, but there 's also themes of light and darkness, of life and death, of faith and unbelief, of love and hate. <clears throat> Of God's plan, the Heavenly Father who wants to build us up and give us light. And Satan, the enemy who wants to tear us down and destroy us. And so, there's a number of contrasts that you'll read in both books. Jesus is held up as the way, the truth, the life. And so, what we're going to try to do in these five sessions is, is look at Jesus in different, different ways. There's more than five themes, but I, I've picked out five themes that blessed me as I was studying over the last few months. And this first session is Jesus, the light. So we're going to look mainly at chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2 and look at Jesus as the light. And the second session will be Jesus, the lawyer. And then the third session this afternoon will be the love of Jesus, the love of God, which is a huge topic. And um, we're going to actually look at three loves, the love of God toward us, our love toward God, and our love toward one another. And then tomorrow we'll we'll study the Holy Spirit and we'll study confidence or assurance. So I I appreciate all of you who've been praying for the, the meetings and praying for me. It's been a great encouragement. Part of what I'd like to do is have us really focus on the Scripture. So hopefully by now everyone has found the Scripture and we have two Bible readers who are going to come up and read, uh, the first reader will read First uh, John 1. And the second reader will read uh, the first part of uh, chapter 2. And we're going to focus on Jesus, the great light. And maybe this is a good time to say that uh, there, there is a need for eight more uh, Bible readers. So if you want a special blessing, uh, that's what I laid here on the piano. The uh, scriptures that go with the next session, the afternoon session and uh, the two sessions tomorrow. So I'm going to suggest that eight other fellows here who love the, love the word and want um, a special blessing to read it um, during, during the break. Actually, I'd like two of you during the break to come up here and uh, take the, the two top sheets, which will be for the next session. And then over lunch, two other people can get, or you can get tomorrow's session. You, you, pick, you pick your section, what, what you would like to read. And I know God will bless you for reading. There's a real blessing in uh, reading. I see some people are really thinking about this seriously. This is good. And uh, let's let's focus on the word now as we hear it read. 1 John 1.
1: That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you
2: so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister in the do- is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where, where they are going because the darkness has blinded them.
0: Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you For this message, the message of Jesus, the message of eternal life, the message of forgiveness, the message of how we can live a fruitful life through Jesus, just thank you for your word. We pray that you will bless it in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not sure what stood out to you in the scripture most. There's just a lot of golden nuggets of truth here, isn't there? I was uh, writing several of them down Um, one is the word fellowship because we know Jesus we can have fellowship fellowship with God the Father fellowship with Jesus himself fellowship with others that's such a blessing of knowing Jesus there's also full joy that's mentioned in verse 4 I'm writing this to you so that you can have full joy in the gospel of John Jesus said I'm going to leave, but take heart, be encouraged. I'm going to give you my joy and it's going to be full joy. It's going to be complete. It's abiding joy. The world cannot take it away from us. You know, in in today's world, many are searching for joy and each of us too, we're looking for contentment and happiness and joy. And there really is only one place that that can be found in the Lord Jesus in knowing Him and having His joy put inside of us. It's a, a The joy of the Lord is really a little different than happiness because happiness is very dependent on the circumstances around us. But the joy of the Lord is something that uh, is within us, even in the midst of terrible time. Some of you uh, have heard of or know Ken Miller. He spent some time in prison for uh, doing what he believed, and I believe was the right thing to do. He was suffering for righteousness' sake. And even in the midst of that prison time, the testimony that was coming from him through emails and phone messages that he was just full of joy and God was just with him. And there's been many, many Christians through the years that can testify to the joy of the Lord in the midst of suffering. So we have fellowship with, with God, with Jesus, with each other because of Uh, this message of Jesus being here we have full joy because Jesus came we have forgiveness verse 7 we have forgiveness through the blood of Jesus perhaps if there's a text verse for this morning it's verse 7 but if we are living in the light as God is in the light then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus Christ God's Son cleanses us from all sin you know our biggest problem is the need to find God and to find forgiveness. Um, Billy Graham has said that there's within each of us a desire for at least two things. One is for forgiveness, the other is for goodness. There's really something within us that wants to do good and God's put that in us and yet we're struggling with the sin inside of us and we're struggling with the guilt. And so we need forgiveness, and we get that through Jesus, through his shed blood that happened at the cross of Calvary. So if you're struggling with sin in your life, if I'm struggling with sin, and we are, if we're honest, we need to come to Jesus at Calvary and receive forgiveness, cleansing of that sin. We also need goodness, and we cannot find goodness uh, in ourselves. We need to come to God for goodness and uh, Calvary really speaks strongly of forgiveness but Pentecost the coming of the Holy Spirit speaks of power of goodness to the Holy Spirit within us to change us from being evil sinners to being good people of goodness and mercy and righteousness and so the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit is what we really need. And and they come through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit that He said, after I go back to the Father, take heart. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to live in you. He's going to empower you. And He's going to change you. So this is good news. We have fellowship. We have full joy. We have forgiveness. And we have fruitfulness. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Gentleness, goodness, all the fruits of the Spirit can flow through us to others. And if we have that, we have a full and a rich life. Because in ourselves, we have a very empty life. But through Jesus, we can have a full and a fulfilling life. Now we get to this contrast of light and darkness. You know, some of you know that I studied uh, optometry before I went to medical school and in optometry we study light in great detail Uh, light is energy it comes from the sun it gets converted from light energy to to thermal energy and it can be reflected and refracted and uh, it can illuminate it's just it's amazing a physical property it um and light is a, a, one of the number of pictures that are used to describe Jesus. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he that followeth me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So light, light means warmth. It means uh, ability to find our way. I don't know when you've been in a very, very dark place. Uh, I was thinking of, of the, the darkest times in history you think about the very darkest times in history what would you think about or in your own life what's the very darkest day of your life some of you probably have not yet had the darkest day of your life and I'm not sure I have because this world is a dark place and some very difficult things come come our way but I was thinking in the Bible you know Genesis 1 the very very first uh, verses picture a very dark time it was before creation now God was there and God was light and yet this earth was very dark it's the Bible says that darkness moved on the face of the deep and then God said on the first day of creation let there be light and there was light and I think that's really cool that the the first day of creation God created light so that uh, there could be warmth, so there could be energy, so that anyone that later got created could see what was, what was going on. So that, a very dark day was perhaps the day before the first day of creation. Another time when it was very dark was during the plagues of Egypt. The darkness was so dark when, when the plague came, the plague of darkness. And I'm sure there were many other dark times throughout the Old Testament. I think in the New Testament... <clears throat> we have a picture of the very darkest day ever. It was three hours of total darkness in the middle of the day. And that's while Jesus was hanging on the cross. I think that was the darkest time of history. And yet, out of that came the blood of Jesus that reaches to us in our darkest day, in our darkest sin. I don't know what you consider your darkest sin because darkness is a type of sin. But the blood of Jesus shed on Calvary is able to reach us in our darkest day, our darkest sin, our darkest time. That's, that's good news. And what followed that dark time was the resurrection three days later. And even as we can die with Christ so we can be raised with Him and we can enjoy life, Now in a physical sense, I don't know where you've ever been in the darkest spot, but the the Lutz boys and their dad, the darkest time of their life, I think if we would ask them, would would have been in June 1990. Uh, This was a dad, Gary. He was 37 and his two sons, Gary Jr., 13, and Timothy, who was 9. They experienced some terrible darkness. Let me just read about this. Some of you are familiar with caving. You know, in Virginia, those of you that aren't from Virginia, we have about 4,000 or more caves. We have 4,000 caves that have been actually named. And we lived in Monterey, Virginia for eight years. And north of Monterey, there's caves all over the place there, but just north of Monterey, in Pendleton County, West Virginia, there is a cave called, there are three caves actually called the New Trout Caves. And uh, one of those caves is called Hamilton Cave, and Jeff and I have looked in the the entrance to that. When we haven't went into it, it's kind of a scary cave, and um, it's a maze cave. There's five miles of uh, maze, and it's not all on one level, it's multiple levels. So it's kind of hard to tell where you are and what level you are. So, but anyway, Gary Lutz, the, the dad, he'd been in this cave before. And he, he was a squeeze freak. He liked to be in really tight places. And apparently in, this hunt, in, this, in the maze there was uh, some really tight places. And so he took his boys with him, and they had their lights. And they went in about 1,000 feet to the big room, which was about 50 feet across and 20 feet high. They had a bite to eat, and then they proceeded into the maze, which is a honeycomb of ledges, corridors, and tight passages. They came to an eight-foot drop. They decided, you know what, we probably will just leave our, our bag here. They were going to be in for a day or two. We're going to leave, leave our bag with our extra lights and food, and uh, we'll, we'll get back to them in a little bit. Well, you can imagine what happened. If you've all been in commercial caves, right? They say, okay, now everybody turn off your your uh, cell phones and let's just see how dark it is in here well one of the boys lights went off hmm that was a little troublesome so they thought oh, we better get back and, and get back to our our uh, our supplies our lights and and you know they weren't turned around long till the other boys light went off and now only the dad had his light well, let me read a little more Ten minutes later, they proceeded some 200 feet when Tim's light began to fail. They turned back but had gone only about 20 feet before it failed completely. Lutz began to hurry back to the pack with the boys following when Gary Jr.'s light failed. The area passages were mostly crawlways and stoopways and Lutz realized he was confused. He tried one false lead and then another with the boys asking, Dad... Are you lost? And then the last light went out. Lutz considered crawling on in the dark with the boys hanging on to him, but he couldn't find the pack with the light. But if he couldn't find the pack with the light on, how could he do it in the dark? He gathered the spent carbide from the three lamps, collected the unspent pellets, and got one lamp going. If he didn't find the pack, they probably would die, because he had he had violated the, there. There's a cup There's three rules of caving that we learned. One is you never go in alone. They didn't violate that rule. Um, second rule is take more than one light source. Take two or three ap- a piece, like a flashlight in your pocket. And, and they didn't exactly violate that, although when they let their pack behind, they sort of did. And the third was they totally violated They didn't let anyone know they were going in. You're supposed to let some people on the outside know, we're going in this cave, we expect to be in 12 or 24 hours. You know, if we don't come out, you, then you figure we broke a leg and we need some help, and uh, get carried out. Lutz knew that they had a long way ahead of them. He had not informed anyone of their intentions. They went in on Monday. On Wednesday, a local resident from the West Virginia State Police said, you know, there's been a vehicle sitting here now for three days near the caves. It had Florida license plates, so the Florida authorities were questioned and they found Lute's address in Florida and they called his phone number. There was no answer. Guess not, because they were in the cave. They called again on Thursday, no answer. Meanwhile, in the cave, the Lutes were going through some changes. They were coughing from the dust and the dehydration. They were having chest pains, irregular breathing, seeing flashes of light, yearning for water and food, crying, consoling one another, thinking they were going to die, praying for one more chance at light. Finally, they lay down together, weak and knowing that the end was near, come back for the next session we'll finish the story